Welcome to the Drunk Nerds Podcast, coming to you simultaneously from New Jersey and Louisiana. We're Coffee Break and Minivan, bringing you the latest in gaming news, current events, and anything under the sun for the week. We're lifelong gamers, friends, and fraternity brothers, and we're excited to get this project off the ground and into the airwaves. So fix a drink or two, and we hope you enjoy what we have in store. All right, uh, so we are live. Uh, welcome to the very first episode of the Drunk Nerds podcast. This is a little bit of a, a new side project here. Uh, so as you all know, we're on my channel. I'm Coffee Break, and we are joined with uh, Rich Winner, a.k.a. Minivan Gaming. Rich, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for uh, for folks? Oh, my God, what is there to say? I, I'm Minivan Gaming. Uh, that's pretty much it. Man of uh, many have, words. I live in Louisiana, and uh, the world's crazy right now. Uh, the world is very crazy. We actually um, we debated whether or not we were going to go through with this tonight, given the state of the world, and we decided, you know what, to hell with it. We might as well try and inject some little bit of positivity out there uh, where we can, right? Yeah, that's right. But uh, to, to that end, uh, we, we kind of had a, a, a broad strokes goal with this idea, and this is something that... Uh, We've been kicking around for for quite some time now. I think what close to eight years. We've been we've been wanting to get a podcast uh, together. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been a while. It's uh, I think we talked about it a little bit while we were still in college, but then definitely over the uh, probably the couple of years thereafter as we all started to separate. Absolutely, yeah. I think one of the things that uh, uh, I think now you know with you being in Louisiana and me uh, relocating to to Jersey, uh, staying connected especially during the, uh, the, the coronavirus uh, uh, has, has brought more impetus to, to make this uh, come off the ground. So I guess uh, one of the, some of the things you'll, you'll find on the podcast here, and you'll have to forgive me while I pull up our, our little uh, shared document here, uh, the, the goal is to kind of, I guess, keep it nebulous. And, and you, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on here, a little bit of everything. So Yeah, I, I mean, it, it'll be, uh, you know, obviously we don't want to get too political. We don't want to go too much down. We, it, uh, one vein it wants we want it to be more of a variety show and in, in in theory um, so but if there are certain things that people it like and enjoy we'll incorporate a little bit more of that uh, but not to go overboard no absolutely um, so I, I guess we, we we probably should address that elephant in the room then uh, with with the state of of at least the United States right now and uh, everything going on do you want to say a few words or Am I, uh, am I, am I flying by the seat of my pants on this? Um, I think, I think I would just say that, um, we, I, I think the one, uh, post I saw on Facebook said about, we see you, we hear you, we stand with you and, uh, but continue to be safe. Don't let the outliers undermine uh, the potency of what you're doing and what we are doing and uh, continue on what you know is right. Yeah, I keep, uh, I keep going back to, to Lincoln's second inaugural um, with everything going on. And the last line uh, is what resonates to mo the, the most with me. Um, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, 
to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who have shall borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all, all nations. The world may be a little bit uh, shrouded right now, but uh, things will get better. They have to. So if you are out there, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, wear a mask for crying out loud. Um, but uh, we will we will get through this. So enough of the, the current events. We're all here to kind of escape a little bit. Um, so let's, uh, what, do you, what are some of the things you've been doing to kind of, kind of, keep saying i know you've recently taken up dungeon mastering and dungeons and dragons how's that working out for you i'm not in those campaigns so i'm only hearing tidbits well let's uh before we go there let's kind of talk and tell everybody how we came up with the name you've uh, always been then... the most uh, the creative one so have at it <laughs> so uh obviously we're just a pair of nerds um and we like video games and, and nerd culture and uh, whether that be movies, uh, board games, video games, books, um, anything you can think of. Uh, so we, uh, when we were trying to decide on a name, we were looking at, uh, I started looking up the origins of the word uh, nerd. And uh, one of the origins that came, uh, that it came out of was that, uh, on college campuses, you had the drunks and then you had the nerds, and they just spelled it backwards. So I figured we're both of those. We like to drink and we like nerd stuff, so we're drunk nerds. <laughs> and then, uh, do you have a drink tonight? I do. Um, I figured in, in terms of fitting this, uh, I'm going with an American whiskey. Uh, it is the, the Redemption Rye. It is allegedly, according to the marketing speak, a pre-prohibition... Um, rye mash so it's it's pretty interesting i'm going with my uh what seems to be my stereotypical beer uh this is a uh i've been in on, on a sours kick lately so okay. this is this is carnival it's a sour ale brewed with passion fruit from d9 brewing in uh i believe that's in uh the carolinas so there you it's have got it. A little, it's got some sweeter notes to it to begin, uh, and then you get the sour on the on the end. Uh, yeah, I typically body. gravitate more towards the the scotches and the Irishes myself, but uh, there's been a nice resurgence in the American whiskey trend lately, um, with with how they're they're kind of going away from that that deep caramel brown sugar taste and moving more towards that lighter, airier, more inviting type of whiskey. So it's uh it's definitely been an adventure into uh whiskeys but uh i'm not i'm not on your level yet with the scotch and the whiskey and... <laughs> we'll, we'll get you there we'll get you there now i, yeah, I will maybe, say they're <laughs> they're 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 not too conducive to that louisiana humidity i will say that no i mint juleps <laughs> <laughs> um uh, anyway back to so back to your question yes um you know i think uh we played some dungeons and dragons in college and uh we had a blast doing that i remember one day we started at what probably like noon as shortly thereafter lunch we created our characters and everything in the uh residence hall mm -hmm. and I, I believe we played until i don't know two in the morning three in the morning that night on a saturday i and, still uh, distinctly remember how unforgiving 3.5 was for plate wearing classes 
Well, and, 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 and I think how, you know where I'm going with this. And it's also how unforgiving the, our dungeon master was. This is true. Fraternity, fraternity brother of ours. But uh, uh, Sean, if you're watching, probably not, but maybe. Um, you know, in 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 that set, that was the second session. That wasn't even the first session. Was it the second? Now, yeah, because yeah. remember, in the first session is when I was looking through the monster manual, and I'm like, oh, dude, that's like a graboid. That's awesome, like fucking tremors. And then the next session, graboids. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Who to thunk? Who to thunk? But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun. So you and I playing a game together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're having a lot of fun with that. I know you DM. Uh, outside of that, and uh, I started DMing another game. We're doing uh, Tales of the Yawning Portal. Uh, they're almost through the Sunless Citadel, uh, which is the first part. And uh, it's, you know, it's funny because um, everybody's. It, it seems like when you talk about D and D, everybody's afraid to DM. Like they feel like they're going to mess up. And I, you know, you have to realize that most players don't know the rules that well. And and if they do, they're more helpful to you to say, hey, you know remember this and and help you along then they are you know gonna chew your head off well, i think i think that brings right. up an interesting point um with the resurgence of tabletop gaming as a whole and this goes pre-coronavirus as well um you see dungeons and dragons in particular come back into mainstream popularity we we've seen a shift where in the 80s and early 90s oh it was the devil's game and you had to be in hushed tones in your basement playing it uh, now, with it being brought to the forefront by those very same people who are in positions of influence, uh, Matthew Mercer, Joe Mangello, um, Deborah Ann Wolf, um, you see these people almost become elevated to as a, a, a narrative godlike status. So there's this intimidation factor where I think, and it's fueled sometimes by the, the by the players. Right, you know, they go into these games as a first-time player, expecting every campaign to be artfully crafted, uh, perfect voice acting, um, fantastic hooks, and interwoven character development. And for 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 a new DM, uh, that can be extremely intimidating. Yeah, well, I mean, not everybody can be a voice actor like Matt Mercer. <laughs> I think the majority of us oscillate between Irish, drunk Irish, and broken Southern. <laughs> and, so, and and an occasional broken Russian. I yes, think. yes. Um, yeah, you know it's interesting because yeah, I, I think that a lot of new players are getting introduced to D and D through things like Geek and Sundry and Critical Role and and all those things, and they're seeing yes that level of quote unquote professional dungeon mastering that um, can exist. It doesn't in most forms, but. I think it's it's not so much about the voice acting and um, creating your own expansive world, such as Matt Mercer has done, as it is just making sure that you can tell the story. And I think good storytellers are probably the better DMs uh, because they can immerse you using the words and, and get you into the story and then away from the computer screen or away from the table because you, you actually feel like you're there. So... You know, and then also, uh, you know, every DM has their own little flair when it comes to, uh, are you, 
are you going to allow them, you know, what about critical ones and what about critical 20s and what are you going to do about those? And, um, you know, are you allowing them to actually act out their characters? And do you have an RP heavy group? Do you have a combat heavy group? I mean, there's so many variables that go into that and, and how you act as a DM based on those things. Yeah, and I think it also goes into play with the, uh, I guess also the, the balance of players as well too, you know, the composition. And it, with respect to backgrounds, like you and I, we have a, a heavy sales background. You know, we can sell ice to an Eskimo if we need to. Um, but for folks that are not necessarily in that line of work, where they may trend more towards the creative arts, you know, whether they're uh, print media specialists or photographers, uh, they also can bring a different lens to like battle map making if your if your group choose to go uh, goes through with that. You also have folks that are in the uh, in the in the sense where you know they may not have those skills, so they kind of become like a silent benefactor to the group. So, for instance, the the last campaign that I ran, we were working our way through Storm King's Thunder. Um, this was a with a bunch of my IRL colleagues, and the the gentleman uh, whose house we we played at. Um, he and his wife were absolutely fantastic. They were extremely welcoming to all of us. Um, we just haven't had to navigate around their children. Uh, more often than not, they would spend time across the street at, at their parents' house, but uh, or their grandparents' house rather. But what what they what they what what he also wound up doing was he went on Kickstarter and and bankrolled a bunch of these DM tools. Um, so we had different ways to incorporate, like you said, those critical fails, those critical successes with card decks. And we also had um, uh, magic item cards as well. So depending on the challenge rating, you were able to go in and say, "No, you do get the 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 the, the gauntlets of ogre strength. You do get the bag of many, uh, the bag of holding, or the deck of many right. things." And here's here's something physical for you to hold on to to represent that thing. Exactly. I, that, that is something that I think that you lose on the um, from a sense of uh, doing it online is that you really can't, um, you know. The, like it's literally clicking and dragging something into your inventory and it showing up as a word. Like you don't, in most cases, at least from the tools that I've seen, you don't see your character. You don't see your character wearing this thing. So it is a lot more imaginary. Um, and not that it can't be on the tabletop side, but you know, when you can print out a, uh, index card sized magic item and they have that, you know, in the little, in their, in their player book or in their binder and it's like you know these are the magic items i have that's that adds a different dynamic to it right right it's almost it, it's almost like hitting the uh, the big score with your first pack of pokemon cards in the booster <laughs> packs and unwrapping a holographic charizard you know right. it, it it adds a level of that that connection that i think not that that virtual tabletops are bad um but you know just kind of it, it's one more barrier to to that immersion in a, in a sense yeah and it's it's um you know i think that it, everything comes with good and bad i think the um you know the good side of of roll 20 and those D D beyond and, and those type of resources out there is that we can be in louisiana and jersey and pennsylvania and you know wherever we're at and play together um but the downside of it is is that we each have our own distractions going on in our houses and we're not together to keep each other focused. So sometimes, you know, somebody's getting up to go get a drink or somebody's going to the, to the bathroom or somebody's looking at their phone and they're not really paying attention mm -hmm. because people aren't there to hold them accountable to that. I mean, uh, how many times has my cat jumped in my lap or 
um, your wife has plopped your 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 son into your lap mid game, and it just yeah. you know it 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 takes a second to kind of reorient and and get back in the mindset of I am not I am not a cat dad right now. I'm a paladin, <laughs> you right. know. <laughs> I'm a dragonborn. God damn it! <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's been great. You know, I think that um, what's been really exciting for me is to see how much uh board games and not just like rpg board games but board games in in general whether it be like settlers of Catan, dominion um i'm blanking on another one uh ticket to ride you know those types of games mm -hmm. are all making an online resurgence and digital versions are coming out through things like not in jackbox but jackbox is another you know thing where it's a social uh, platform that people can play together on and so you're not missing that socialness as much as you thought you may have been in quarantine because those options still exist if you have a board game night you can get online and you can play dominion with one another whereas you would have across the kitchen table it's not the same but it is a good alternative to sitting at home and doing nothing yeah we also had a call out uh for tabletop simulator as well too so if you want to go the the true simulator simulator route um, you, you also have that, that route as well, uh, to follow up with, but, uh, it's, it's been certainly interesting to, to kind of see how this all unveils. I mean, I can kind of speak to it, uh, from like an analog to digital level as well. Uh, my mother is the, the pack rats pack rat, right? Um, she, uh, she and my sister recently uncovered a bunch of older board games like, uh, the stock market, um, ticket to ride is one of them as well. And out of a curiosity, she listed she looked on ebay to see what some of them were going for and you're looking at these classic board games uh going for 50 to 150 dollars in united states dollars uh just because there was that such a demand because of the social distancing and and, and staying at home uh that these games that were once consigned to being buried on the front porch or the basement are now making a comeback which is really really interesting to see be interesting i guess kind of you know kind of taking this conversation to the next step with the quarantine it, it's what do you think are going to be the positive outcomes of of this i think um you know board games resurgence of board games is one thing but i think what comes into that is like the family time right you know there you look back through generationally when you had you know dad went to work mom stayed home traditionally and then it moved into you know both parents working and uh, television and internet and those things came about and uh in a lot of cases i won't say it was completely gone because i know i had it but um family eating dinner together around the dinner table uh family game night those types of things have, have in, in many senses just kind of disappeared but I think they, they're making a resurgence and people are seeing like how much impact that makes with their family and their kids and their wife, and, you know, et cetera, because they don't have the opportunity to go out now. So, and I know from a personal standpoint, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, we would spend time at the brewery every Thursday was, was the brewery night. Right. And now I, I do the D and D game on Thursdays to distract myself right. from the fact that I'm not going to the brewery. So I don't get, you know, depression and, and, um, you know, uh, or depressed and, and, and things like that. But, um, but I, you know, when this is all one, when it's all over or when it opens up, we're actually here in Louisiana moving to phase two on Friday. Um, but you know, I, I'm still kind of leery about going out in big crowds anyways, just, 
not for me. I, I really don't care for me. Um, I'm in that group that that probably has already had it or will have it, and I'll, I won't have any symptoms anyways uh, as I'm coughing and my throat's getting congested. Um, but but for my my loved ones and, and friends and family that are older and have those those um, uh, you know like um... yeah no my uh, uh, New Jersey is moving the phase two next week as well um, and as as much of a uh, introvert as I normally am um, while I do miss the aspect of you know being able to go to the bar after work for for wings and a beer um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let 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 some time slide. Um, what I will say is I'm in a very similar boat. You know, if it were just me, it'd be no problem. You know, I get sick, I get sick. You know, eventually the landlord will find me and we'll we'll call it a day and see what the next great beyond offers. Um, I'll be but, able to eat you it, and yeah. But uh, I have a I have a I, I consider it like a, a social responsibility to to not jump the gun because my folks are in that immunocompromised uh, position. Right. Um, so. As much as the, the, the id portion of my brain wants to, you know, get back to normal, let's go back to work, let's, let's roll up and, and get, get the shop up and running again and, and start helping clients, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite ready for that. Um, so what I'm hoping that comes out of this, um, A, working in a retail environment, is that a lot more people stay consistent with washing their damn hands. <laughs> that, you know, it's sad. It, it, I mean, you know, that was the funniest thing to me, though uh that like that was the first thing that started getting blasted out right like hey it's a global pandemic make sure you're washing your hands make sure you're washing your hands and i'm like do you like you should be washing your hands anyways not just because there's a pandemic like that's but just you would be surprised hygiene. you you would absolutely be surprised um oh, I know. I, working yeah, no, working I... in association with with a retail establishment um, you you obviously throughout the course of your day you have to use the facilities. It's just biology. But sitting there while while you're on your phone scrolling Reddit, you know, getting paid to, you know, do your business, um, you hear people come in and out of the men's room that just simply have no concept of basic hygiene, and it it's like, no wonder we have a global pandemic. People I mean, aren't. It's, it's it. Yeah, it's a it's a difference between going in like you're on a road trip, right? And you stop on the CD gas station. You got to go in, get the key that's attached to a hubcap to go out back and open up the <laughs> but door. But even then, that is usually go. followed up with, "Honey, get me the hand sanitizer." Right, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, there are rare instances where it's like, I think what I just did and may have got on my hands is more sanitary than me touching any of this. <laughs> but yes, it is followed up by like, I'll dip my hands and you know, this is disgusting too. But Charging like battery. I would dip my hands in the uh, window washing fluids before I washed them in the... <laughs> right. No, so I think, I think that's the, the first hope is that we become a more uh, uh, health conscious society. Um, but I also I also hope it it forces us to kind of rethink our connection to technology. Um, obviously, this pandemic has done a lot of great things in terms of those social bonds, uh, where we are now versus where we were, you know, even 20 years ago. The fact that you and I can do this uh, 300 miles apart, and I can hold my phone up right now and make a FaceTime 13, call to my 1300. You know, math was never my strong suit. 
I'm good with words, damn it. <laughs> no, but the I fact that it's 300, that's a that's a day, you know, that's like half a day's drive. No, oh, that'll put me in Kentucky, eh, where the whiskey's at. Um, but the point is, you know, we 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 aren't being called to to jump out of a tank or jump out of a plane, right? Or hop in a tank and and fight the enemy. Our call to war, you know, with the lens of the the, the pandemic, is stay home. Wipe your ass, yeah. wash your hands, take a shower, and wear a mask. You know, wartime in that sense couldn't be any easier. I can pick up a phone and have 30 different restaurants bring me food. I can call my mom and not have to wait for the switch, the, the line to be switched over, or God forbid if I were on a party line and have my upstairs neighbors tap into it. You could be Batman if you wanted to. Well, I you know I forgot that I should uh, to be protected on the on the call that I should wear my mask. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it's that calculated risk, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't want to get you know. I'm sure this is being broadcast through somebody's 5G on their phone, so I don't want them to get sick because I'm not wearing my mask. <laughs> <laughs> The 5G is being held up with the murder hornets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the murder hornets are being transmitted through 5G. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then... But um, is the 5G being generated by the locusts? Or is that the cicadas that yeah. are yet to come? No, that's the uh, that's the space disease we have yet to, to discover. Right, right. With COVID the, in space. <laughs> that's right. No, I tell you what, man. Doug and, Doug and Bob... Two, those, right, are, man. those are those are those are two of the most quintessential American names. I think NASA combed through their astronaut roles and like, what's the most patriotic sounding? Doug yeah. and Bob. <laughs> but they made the right call. They they well, they they, they, they yeah, hightailed they it in that rocket right at the right time, man. <laughs> and they don't even uh, you know because they're both they were both ranked military men mm -hmm. and neither of them like go by their their rank like you know a lot of times you still say you know gunny sergeant whatever yep. you know whatever it may be but in this case these are highly ranked military men that are now just call me bob yeah. just call me doug <laughs> bob was a um a, a, a test pilot for the u.s marine corps i think yeah. he still is before he be, uh, joined the, the the aeronautics division of nasa um how much of a badass do you have to be? You know, you have you you've flown all this hardware. He's rated for the F thirty five Lightning too. Eh, just call me Bab. Well, you know, the funny thing was, so my brother and I um, were watching it on Saturday uh, when they got to the space station mm -hmm. and they actually got into the space station. And you know, you're watching it and stuff, and you're we're making jokes and stuff, and then. Uh, but as they got out, and you see how how jacked uh, fucking Doug was, like, you know, he's he's a built dude, yep. and like, then you have these these three astronauts who have been in space for I don't even know how long, um, and like the muscle atrophy that comes with that, uh, and you like see how skinny they are, and then you just see like this fucking Doug just comes <laughs> barreling through. Here's like, how intimidating does that have to be right now? <laughs> If you're if you're a Russian, not very intimidating. Wow. <laughs> I think the I think the ratio That's prior to, to to Bob and Doug's arrival were three Russians and one American up there. Yeah, and it, no two, right? Two two Russians. I think it was two and one. Either way, that's more Russians yeah. than. <laughs> no. 
Anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean... KGP, please don't hack us. <laughs> right. We just want to talk. <laughs> See, there's that, that, that dumbass Russian coming out, the one of three accents we know for D&D. Hello, comrade. <laughs> Dos vidania. Uh, uh, that means goodbye. <laughs> no, it's great in my game because uh, Trevor decided to go with a French accent. So... <laughs> Which oh god it's okay. funny so he's this french guy and then tom actually decided to do like an austrian accent and he's a dwarf barbarian mm -hmm. so he's like yeah we should open the door yeah oh my goodness <laughs> oh my gosh but we are the nice germans <laughs> yeah we, we are nihilists all right lebowski <laughs> uh so actually that brings up a good point what's your watch list looking like these days you know, the first uh, week of the pandemic here was like, oh man, I'm on a I'm on a coronacation, right? I'm gonna get through my my Netflix watch list. I'm gonna do the post apocalyptic. I never had that, so I I've been working ever since. So I started to watch um, Jack Ryan. Okay. Um, I got through the first season and partway through the second season. Second season is a little slow to me, um, but I do want to go back and finish that. I also picked up through D and D. Uh, I decided um, in playing a, another game on uh, uh, with Corey as our DM in a world that he's creating. He wanted just uh, a small group and everything. So uh, <laughs> Trevor and I actually developed a uh, Holmes and Watson type characters. Nice. And so at level one, my character already has uh, a passive perception and a passive investigation of 21. So... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm well, there's the uh, whether... there's the ball game, folks. Yeah. I'm debating on whether I want to drop my charisma down and even put more into wisdom. Now, do you the... um do you do the internal monologue like uh, Robert Downey Jr.? No. So, see, I've been watching the BBC one with uh, I'm a Cumberbitch, so Benedict Cumberbatch, and um, I don't know. See. I like it. I've never seen the Robert Downey Jr. one, and I think that there's always been this... Somebody just asked me this uh, the other day, and I think there's always been this prestige, because I read a lot of the, the uh, Sherlock Holmes books when I was a kid in school, and so I've always had this prestige like in my mind of like how those those are fleshed out. And the thing with the with the BBC one is that it's all like modern takes on it, so it's not like taking the old story and rehashing it. It's like in modern times, what would the Hounds of the Baskerville look like? And um, and so in that episode, spoiler alert, if anybody's watching that hasn't seen it, but in that episode, like, it's a hallucinogenic in the air and a giant, like, Doberman-type hound or a giant hound that he has that um, is there and it makes you see uh, that it's, you know, way bigger than it is. So it was a very interesting... Uh, take on it there was a research facility for the military you know all the other type of stuff um so it doesn't really ruin the, the the mystique of the stories because it's not basing it in like old england and you know that that type of style yeah well uh, uh i finished netflix <laughs> I, I i finished all of netflix come at me <laughs> <laughs> 
Even the stuff you can't find on there that's on there. Like, that's the weirdest thing to me. You can go to, like, the the different net, uh, Netflix, like, databases online mm-hmm. and see, like, all this stuff that's on there. But then you go onto your Netflix on the TV and you're like, there's nothing on here I want to watch. And then you go to that and you're like, oh, shit, there's, like, 27 movies I want to watch on there. And I think that'll be a shameless yeah. plug for our not unofficial sponsor, NordVPN. <laughs> Wait, no, this isn't YouTube. We can't do that. <laughs> I'd like to uh, give a shout out to D9 Brewery because I drink it, but they ain't paying me for it. <laughs> Actually, speaking of endorsements, um, I did promise a very, very special individual and magnificent bastard out there um, a shout out. Um, so obviously with the stay at home orders, it has been very tough with the social distancing to maintain a small business. Um, I want to give a special shout out to our joint alma mater. Uh, home, our alma mater's hometown coffee shop, Avenue 209. And he's actually here in the chat, the oracular beard. That beautiful bastard went out of his way and hooked me up with uh, uh, a ton of Avenue merch in addition to the actual order I placed. So if you're still there, bud, um, thank you very much. Uh, you are the unofficial official coffee of this stream. Um, and I very much appreciate what you and your staff are doing for the for the folks in Lock Haven, uh, we we miss you very much. We absolutely do. That wonderful bearded man and that smile. Mm-hmm. Sploosh. <laughs> move, uh, move over, spouses. You know, it, 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 it's been interesting because because down here we have a local coffee shop too um, that I've been buying all my coffee through. Trader. <laughs> well, I'm gonna place an order through Avenue 209. I, I just talked to Kate about it the other day uh calling up and doing that but um i mean again it's a small business here and i've been trying to uh i have a, a friend that used to work at the brewery that works there and she got let go so i'm you know i'm trying to support as as much small business as i can uh with what we have here and um uh you know the brewery that i love is going through a rebranding phase they're switching from red river brewing to red river brew pub now um, but there was talks that they weren't going to come back and you know this is devastating i get it um and i don't i'm i'm a business-minded person i don't ever want to see a business go out of business go out of business but at the same time you know i think everybody um that you know the open open america open america people um that just have the wrong in my opinion, have have the wrong priorities. Well, you and I have been in business for the, the latter half of, oh my God, uh, almost a decade now. And then some. I think you got two yeah. years on me. Um, as much celebrated as, my, my ninth anniversary of the company. As much as I love making money, and as much as I love my job, and I've had a lot of jobs. Of, we were coworkers at one point, um, even outside of college. Um I am not willing to die for the economy. <laughs> you know, well, I want I want people to be able to go to go back to work and earn a living safely. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, where where do you uh like I get I get the small business. We're a small business. You know, it's um how do you continue to pay your employees and and provide them the benefit? And we've had this conversation. You working for a large corporation versus us having a small business. And then saying, you know, and we've talked about some of the benefits that you got um, and some of the, the changes that they made f- 
for you as an employee versus some of the things that we had to do on our end. Right. You know, completely different sides of the spectrum. And, um, but as a business, you have to do what's right for you. And, you know, I read an article, uh, and, uh, shortly after all that started, uh, with the quarantine. And, you know, one of the things it said is that, you, you know, if your boss let you go, that means that they care about you because they want you to be able to get unemployment and they want you to be able to, you know, get the benefits that, that were coming out, uh, with the federal stipend and all that stuff for unemployment. You know, if, if they had kept you on and you just weren't working and they couldn't afford to pay you, then, you know, there was no guarantee that those bills were going to go through, uh, with the small business loans and look how fast they ran out. But I think that also other, that also begs the, the, the question of, of what kind of society we are where people, um, would make more on unemployment versus their day jobs. You know, obviously in, in a societal norm pre pandemic, that's not something well, you or I would have thought about. Well, but, here's the, here's the thing. Here, yeah. Here's my, here's my take on that. If you as a business owner or a manager, or, you know, whatever are, are worried about your employees not coming back to work because they're making more on unemployment, pay your fucking people more. That's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going with that. Uh, we also have a comment here. Dead people can't spend money. Uh, true. True. No, but I think... Uh, I'm hoping at the end of this... Dead, um, dead, dead people dead people cannot spend money. Their families can, and so can their estate. <laughs> I thought we weren't making work plugs for this. <laughs> we, we had an agreement, Richard. <laughs> um, no, but I... I, I you can come pre-plan through me. But you just did. That's the instant. <laughs> uh, if for for anyone wondering why we're going off the rails, this was a this is this is this was normal at our lunch table in college. We would just go down these little rabbit holes and and circle back. Um, no, but I I do hope it is it is my uh, my sincerest hope that at the end of the the pandemic and whatever we come out as as a society on the current events, um, that it, there is more social justice. Um, and economic justice, because I think those those two go hand in hand. Um, what kind of society will we be? What kind of society do we want to be? Um, I, I I I am the the uh, the cynical idealist here. I want I I I hope and 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 pray with all my might that we come out of this better. You know, I really think um, as much as I want to be the optimist here. And you know me to know that I'm a realist and quite often a pessimist. Um, I think that the quarantine has actually been more detrimental to to what you're hoping for than than positive towards it because people have had the ability now to spend more time on social media and more time uh, on focusing on the tribalism that is happening through social media. And um, but I would also argue you just we we just. Uh... We just contradicted ourselves from 10 minutes ago, glorifying the quarantine as a way to bring families back together. Well, no, I th you know, I think there's that side. Or are they, are, or is your argument that they're mutually exclusive? You know, it's, yeah, it's hard to say, but I think that there is some exclusivity in how you deal with your family and how you deal with the public. Um, you know, I've known, you know, I, here, here's a perfect example. Uh, in, in abuse scenarios, which is terrible. Um, but, you know, how many people get 
arrested for domestic abuse or you know something rape you know any any of those type type of super egregious never should happen crimes and everybody at work goes oh my god but he was such a nice guy like you know the the way you act behind closed doors with your family versus the way you act in the public is completely different so what would you uh what would you say the uh the solution or the uh the the the, the prescription should be then not to put you on the spot or anything I don't know if I had that answer. I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd... This is true. <laughs> we would not be sitting on our respective uh, stream stream setups. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, I just think that tribalism is something that's been pervading um, progress for a long time in America, uh, and I think it's something that is going with social media. It's one of the downfalls of social media, and the fact that you can start to be tribalistic in um, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you are as well. Unfollowing the people you don't you like, oh, they yeah. post something and you're like, oh, I don't like that. I'm just going to unfollow them. And it, you know, in some degree, um, in the chat, we have one of our good friends, Esconde. I mean, he's the one that pointed it out to me. I made a comment one time along those lines of, yeah, I just unfollow people. And he's like, well, I leave them on my on my page because I like the discourse of you know, conflicting opinions and conflicting ideas. And I, you know, need to take some, some, uh, lessons out of his book, I guess. That's why he's a teacher and, um, where I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I do hope at the end of this, um, people, uh, finally, finally realize that, you know, it's, it's great to share a hashtag, you know, it's an instantaneous, you know, shot of dopamine. Um, you know, it makes you feel good. But what does getting into a fight on Facebook or getting into a Twitter war uh, actually accomplish um, at the at the end of the day? Um, I know it's easy to be a keyboard warrior. Exactly. Um, you know, there's... You you're not you're not doing anything. And, and another good friend of ours said this, and uh, I'm not going to call him out, but he said it's it's mental masturbation, right? You know, it feels good in your mind. Wait, you're best friends with Bill Maher? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Well, that's not who I heard it from, <laughs> but it's mental masturbation, right? It feels good in your head, but at the end of the day, you're still fucking yourself. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm dropping all the F-bombs tonight, so. I should have, I knew I should have turned on the mature warning. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I can't take you I, anywhere. We, we only get one, right? Well, I think I, there, there's at least three. Wait, no, I, we're on I'm the gonna... internet. It's it, it's no holds barred. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but well, uh, we need to. That's why we need Carlin back because we need the seven words you can't say same. on the internet now. <laughs> oh, I miss that man. I miss that man. Oh my gosh. Um, no, but it's uh, it, it it's an interesting take for sure. Um, so I guess that would be my shameless plug. If you find yourself in a situation where you are doing that, you know, mental masturbation, uh, first uh. Give me a buzz. We'll we'll find you a therapist. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, if if you want to be proactive, there are plenty of good philanthropic causes out there. You know, if you are feeling afraid, you know, you you are intimidated by men and women in uniform, or you can't take the time off of work because if you take that time off, you won't have a vacation day to take care of yourself if you get sick. Um, if you just simply you know, if you if there is just plain fear, find an organization and and donate to them. 
Um, there are plenty of good causes out there, and they don't have to be related to, to what's currently going on in the world. If you have a loved one who is suffering from cancer or another degenerative illness, donate to something like that. You know, there are so many ways to inject some good in the world that doesn't involve tearing someone down on social media. Yep. It's easy to walk away from social media if you just do it um, and you start practicing that. Like, it, well, I remember you have... went, uh, you, you deactivated your social media for a good two and a half months or so. What was that yeah, like? It... <laughs> At first, uh, the first couple of days, I would say that probably the first week was challenging because, you know, I had the you have the app on your phone and, and idly you don't even realize you're doing it. You open the app and you just start scrolling through and looking and stuff. Um, I did start to see how much time I was saving. Like I was getting other things done because I didn't have it there eventually. But the first week it was like, Oh yeah, I don't have the app on my phone anymore. And then it was like, okay, well let me look at this other social media app that I have. And then I like stopped looking at Facebook and started looking at Twitter more. And then I got frustrated with Twitter. So I, I just deleted Twitter off my phone. And then it was like, oh, Instagram. And I don't ever look at Instagram, but I found myself looking at Instagram. And I'm like, what What am I doing? Like, <laughs> And uh, so it got to the point where, and I've, I've not broken down and gotten the TikToks yet. Um, I'm dating myself there. But, um, but the phone's already come shipped with the clock. I know. I don't understand. It's... Unless you're Captain Hook, then there shouldn't be any clock in it. Mm. Or alligators. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was actually, I still had Messenger, because you can deactivate Facebook and still have uh, Messenger. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't lose contact with the people I'm no really conversing with. Um, but I did lose access to, like, memories. And that was something that you had to adjust to, because... Um, you know, I have a lot of family on my on my page, and so seeing things like, you know, just this past week, I had a I had a nephew who graduated, and you know, I have all these other things that are going on in my family's lives that I that I otherwise, like you know, social media is so prevalent now. It's like people aren't calling everyone to say, hey, did you did you know that so and so graduated this week? Like you need to call them and say, hey, that congratulations. Right. It's uh, just a you see the photograph with their cap and gown and right. you know a, a like, and it's like, hey, I was there. Yeah. Right. And so those types of things got got I had to adjust to, but but I I started to adjust it, and I found that I was starting to call people more. Like I was calling my parents more and, and I've stayed on that trend of calling my parents more because of that. But, um, you know, and trying to get, uh, stay in touch that way in a, in a more meaningful way, at least the way I thought was more meaningful. Um, and when I did reactivate my Facebook, the first thing that happened was that like instantly, like I got bombarded as I'm looking through my feed of like all these political posts and negativity and stuff. And, and I'm, no, I'll never put anyone on, on, on blast unless they absolutely deserve it. But, like, the amount of posts that I see on Facebook where it's people not asking for help or asking for something, but, like, almost demanding help. Like, you know, somebody's like, hey, I'm looking for uh, a rolling pin, a specific type of rolling pin. Does anybody have one that they want to get rid of? Like, you're, you're basically saying, somebody give this to me. Instead of saying, like, hey, does anybody have this type of rolling pin? I'd be willing to, to buy it from you. 
you know, if the, if you post it that way, people are probably more willing to be like, you know what, I have it. I was going to get rid of it anyways. Come take it. But people post it in such a me, me, me way, and it just annoys the hell out of me. No, I, I feel that. You know, it's a it's a it's actually a trick I learned when I was a when I was still a smoker. Um, I know smoking's bad. I quit. Blah blah blah. Um, you go to a bar. Did, did you? Uh, I did actually. Did you? Uh, I did for now. I just, I, just no, I, it. I, I have a I have a vape. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Two distinct yeah, different yeah. things. Hey, either is way, there, you're gonna get a sale out of me at the end of this. Is there, is right. there nicotine in there? Yes. The, the no arsenic you? though. No arsenic though. Um, but the the trick that I learned early on when I in in, in my uh, bar hopping career, always at least carry a buck in your wallet. This way, you go outside for your for your desired cigarette break. And if you happen to be out, like oh, I didn't, I didn't hit Sev or Wawa or Sheets or or whatever you have down there, and uh, you know the guy in the corner with a gator, um, you know you go outside and you go, guys, I'll give you a buck for a cigarette. And they don't, and, and no one wants to be that jackass in front of their friends and be like, oh yeah, I'll take it. It's just no, here you go. You know, they'll just give it away. Um, so I, I, I think if you kind of approach it with that mentality on social media, you'll, it, it's like you get more flies with honey than you do with uh, vinegar. But it's it's a matter of like obviously there's you know there's a mental thing with that but but just offering to to pay for it even if it's you know I'm only going to give you three bucks for it or ten bucks for it or whatever right. it is item that you that you're talking about you know it's it's just a different mindset to say like hey I want this thing I'm willing to pay for it can somebody help me than to say I want this thing somebody should give it to me. Right. Like, it's just, I don't know, it, it annoys me so, and I don't know, it's like one of those pet peeve things, like, every time I see a post like that, where someone's like, hey, I'm in search of a green slide for my kid's uh, <laughs> swing set, I don't want the yellow one or the blue one, it has to be green, does anybody have one that they're getting rid of that I can have? But and then you like, get those requests that are so esoteric, yeah, that it's like, it's, maybe one person in Tibet has this item. Well, it's like... I posted out and I'm like, hey, uh, when when my son was born, there was a Christmas outfit that I was photographed. <laughs> I in. remember that. And, and and I'm like, does anybody know where I can find this? Not can somebody give this to me, but it's like, does anybody know where I might be able to find this? Or could somebody make it? I'm willing to pay for it. And I had tons of responses like, uh, hey, check here, check Etsy, check this, check this. You know, hey, if you have the pattern, like I might be able to make it for you. You'll just have to buy the fabric. And it was like, you know, and we went through all those things. But like, I'm please sure tell I me said, your mom found it in the attic. No, she didn't. I I am I'm still upset that we didn't find it, but it's it is what it is. So um, I do have my not to go off a tangent here, but I do have my original Ninja Turtles hat that from when I was a kid and I have it in the closet for him when he gets old enough to wear it. So, and I'm going to try to find another one and get a set for him and I, there you go. Um, but anyway, uh, but if I had posted that post and said, Hey, does anybody have this baby out, this exact baby outfit that they're willing to give me for my son? Like nobody would have commented on it. Nobody would have said any, like they're going to be like, no, like that thing's that thing's from like straight out of like uh fucking a Sears catalog. <laughs> yes, Sears or like I don't know Hills. I don't know. I don't know if you guys had those. <laughs> for uh for the younger crowd, back in the day pre-internet, you could actually order items 
through pieces of paper and the company that would receive them and then process the transaction and ship you your item. Old school Amazon. Yeah, that's what Amazon put out of business. So uh, for all of you that use Amazon, that's what you did. You well, we're, uh, we're on an Amazon-owned platform, so cheers to contributing to the decline. That's right. <laughs> to social distancing. And to social distancing. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Amazon has the best of both worlds, right? They're like, hey, we're going to connect everybody, and you can buy everything through us. <laughs> And here comes the band hammer. <laughs> it was a pleasure trolling with you. <laughs> it was like that one night on Sea of Thieves where uh, we uh, we wrapped up our game session and then we decided to sink our own ship and then we played instruments. I think there was the achievement called going down with the ship or the, something referencing the Titanic. See, Iskande gets it. He said uh, he said he calls it the TikToks, like I call it the TikToks, and have I all the thought. kids freak out and correct them. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I went to uh, a fraternity event, and you know, obviously, all undergraduates who are now like, I don't know, ten to twelve years younger than me, if not more, and uh, old man, and I kept, I kept calling it the TikToks and said that, and everybody's like, yeah, we need to get a uh, we need to get a fraternity TikTok, and I'm like, what are we what are we gonna post on there? <laughs> Pictures of the executive director, or like videos of the executive director doing stuff. Like, is National Council going to do, like, a, a weekly TikTok or something? Like, I, I don't even know what It'll just do. be uh, stamping the book. Yeah, we got your dues. Yeah. Your chapter's in good standing. That's right. <laughs> you live to fight another day. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, we're coming to the, uh, we're almost at the top of the hour. Is there anything that you wanted to, to kind of go over before uh, before we start closing out with some shout-outs? I mean, I was uh, I was looking at my... My 2020 Apocalypse Bingo card. Um, I'm still missing a few spots. What about you? Uh, I have... Um, I think I have two left to win. <laughs> uh, it's radioactive frogs, bisexual or, or asexual frogs that can turn into radioactive dinosaurs. Or... <laughs> That's the first one. And then uh, horse flies, actually the size of horses. That um, fly? That cannot fly uh, because they have uh, hooves instead of wings. I thought I was being really out there um, with having monkeys infected with COVID, but since they actually escaped from a lab in the UK, um, I have to rethink my plan. So I'm going to play it safe. Uh, my free space right now is uh, Giant Meteor 2020. No, so... Uh... <laughs> So Midgar <laughs> on a fancy seven. The, the giant. So when, when, when do the weapons start coming out of the earth? Ruby weapon, emerald weapon. <laughs> oh, simpler times, simpler times. <laughs> Back when, you know, the only thing you had to worry about was uh, Cloud's panic attack. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah, the only thing you had to worry about was, did they get the ecto cooler or did <laughs> Mom get the orange high C this time? I still remember beating emerald weapon without the underwater breathing material. Like I I I rushed through that fight all night, didn't win, kept going back to the save point, and then I woke up before school before I had to catch the bus. I'm like, I'm gonna do this, and the bus driver was literally waiting for me to hit a save point, and we managed to get it down. Nerd. <laughs> yep, absolutely. 
uh, no, I don't think there's really anything. Well, here, let me ask this along that along that vein. Um, originally released in 1999, the remasters of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts? Um, cautious optimism. Cautious optimism. Um, you know, 1999 me was obsessed with those games. You know, you had yeah. you had the Offspring coming off like their their set their first or second album at that time. Um, you had incredible music in those games. You had the uh, the you know the ability to actually be Tony Hawk, which was groundbreaking at the time. Um, Except Tony Hawk always could never land a fucking <laughs> trick in in my game. I don't no. <laughs> I don't understand. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I mean, I did the things perfect on my controller, but of course. he could not land a trick to save his life. But could he do an ollie? He can. Do a kickflip. <laughs> um, so, no, I'm, I am I am cautiously optimistic. My biggest fear, though, is that we see a reversion and a, and a cop-out to peddling the nostalgia train. Well, that's already... I mean, that's already it, started. It, it's... I've fought that fight on Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm well aware, but now we're tap we're not just tapping into a bunch of uh bunch of us weebs playing Final Fantasy or Resident Evil, right? It's it's now going mainstream. You know, one could make the argument with the the um the Madden series, you know, it's the same game every year. How much how long before that gets a remake? You know, when is NBA Jam going to get a remake? Well, why does why does Lion King need a live action film that's not live action? Don't get me started on that. That hurts. But they I, I they mean, cut my favorite song. Yeah, but I mean, like that's the thing is that the nostalgia sells, um, and and we we have to admit it here. We're part of the problem. We're we come from a nostalgic era, a nostalgic generation. You know, I, I read something one time. It was like, you know, through the '90s, things moved so fast that for us that were born. You were born in the nineties, but for those of, for those of us who were born in the late nineteen ninety, thank you very much. That's the nineties. Yeah, I know. You made it sound like I was some kind of millennial or zoomer, as they're being called now. Yeah, um, you you know you get um, like things move so fast, like technology moves so fast that we never had a chance to actually sit down and enjoy it because it was always on to the next big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, video game systems started coming out. You know, every couple of years. Uh, technology, cell phones kind of blew up overnight, you know. Um, you went from the screeching dial tone internet to... Get like, off the other line, I'm trying to get right. online. Right. I gotta look up cheat codes. Uh, to You can uh, talk to Nana tomorrow. <laughs> to, to like Blazing Flash, DSL. Uh, you went from computer games uh, like Myst and... Mm-hmm. Uh, to games like Counter-Strike and, and other team-based games online. Like, it was just crazy how fast stuff went. And so our generation has this nostalgia for all that stuff because in some sense, we didn't get to actually enjoy it. Right. So it's like, man, that was fun. But, like, it was there for, like, a couple So of what you're saying is I can keep my Guideliner Sum 41 albums in my trip pants. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> go, get, go, get, go get your Jinko jeans out and no 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 i didn't i didn't go that far <laughs> I, uh, I was in the other camp <laughs> but i i mean so that kind of makes sense but because of that i mean and, and you got to think that 
at that time period when Disney was coming out with a lot of those films, we were all young. And, you know, and, and then even before us into Gen X, you know, they were younger and um, they were all getting those those movies out. And so now we're all adults and we're all starting to have children. And it's like, hey, let's put these same movies out, but let's make them live action because, you know what, Th- that 33-year-old who loved Aladdin when he was a kid is going to want to go see Aladdin. He's going to go want to go and take his kids to it. And then his kids are going to become obsessed with Aladdin. I keep going uh, back to the, uh, the, the SpongeBob episode where they interview Mr. Krabs and are like, well, what motivated you to do this? Money. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, you, so you see it in the movie, the movie industry, you've seen it in the video game industry. You know what? What really are we seeing in in other industries that that really mimic the same thing? I mean, I'm sure it's out there if we really think about it. it iPhone, yeah. Alcohol, um, yeah. Alcohol. Um, you do, uh, like you said, the Madden games. I mean, really, it's it's a small tweak on something, and then they put it right back out, and because people have a favorable response to it. So, you know, I, I'm. I'm very, again, pessimistic about the video game industry because it's not that old of an industry to be rehashing the same things. Um, and but there, so, there, there are some glimmers of hope. Um, there, it, as much as we, 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 we don't want to give Amazon all of the credit, all hail our overlord Jeff Bezos, um, there are there are games, and this this kind of brings me to to I guess our last point of the night that that kind of state of state of gaming in general. Um, we're kind of seeing some pushback around that. We have uh, New World coming out later this year. Um, looks very promising. There's there's no classes, so it takes very much of a, an Elder Scrolls Online take with um, you are what your weapon says you are. The only thing that concerns me with that game is that there's no instances and there's no raids. That's so. Are we talking about the state of gaming in general, or MMO gaming? It could be both. Could be both. I mean, uh, the the I battle royale craze is is still going on. I mean, I, you've seen me play it on here, and uh, you know, Call of Duty. I haven't gone on the Fortnite train yet. Yeah. That well, that's the thing. Like Iskande just said in the chat, it's um, you know, there are certain franchises that that I think can to go back a little bit. There are certain franchises and certain games that I think benefit from being remade because the technology wasn't there at the time it was made to make it as great of a game. It's still a great game in its time, but right. it can be an even better game now. Resident Evil is one of those games. Like I, I don't think they need to remake the whole series, but re- the Resident Evil 2 remake, the Resident Evil 3 remake, like those games are like because of the scare tactics that are included in that mm-hmm. and. and and just the gameplay me- mechanics that you have now versus back then make it so much better and more immersive. And I think that that's, that's a good remake that should have happened. We also have and, a shout-out here in chat for a Command & Conquer remastered. I, I would get all on board on that. Get some old-school yeah. Tiberian Wars, uh, some uh, Red Alert 2. Absolutely. Yeah, what was the what was the first-person shooter one on that? Um, well, goodbye paycheck. It releases Friday. Right? Uh, I think so. I think Command so. Command Conquer Renegade. I, I know. Uh, actually, the bearded handbone and I used to play the hell out of that when we were younger. But um, you know, 
but then you look at some of the failures like did we really need a, a world uh, or not a world of warcraft but warcraft 3 remake did we really need uh final fantasy remake you know and, and that's one of the arguments that i had with with someone was they were like you know final fantasy 7 remake it's not the same game it's not the same game and i was like okay then why are they putting the final fantasy 7 stamp on it like, are you buying it because it's a new game, or are you buying it because it's Final Fantasy VII? And he's like, well, it's Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, okay. So you're not buying it because it, you know, I was like, if they took all the new mechanics and everything that they're adding into Final Fantasy VII, put it in its own story, and created a new game, would you buy that, or would you buy a remade Final Fantasy VII? And he's like, well, they already tried that with Final Fantasy whatever they're on now, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever. Um, and he's like, and it failed miserably. And I'm like, okay, so you're not buying it because it's a new game. You're buying it because it's Final Fantasy VII. So they're banking on your nostalgia. It's not, it doesn't matter what's in it. If they remade the game and added some new story points into it, it's still Final Fantasy VII. And I, I, I think that's where the, the, the kind of line has to be drawn. Like, I have yet to, uh, to, to pick up Final Fantasy VII. I, I have to get a new PS4 or, uh, eventually a PS5 when that comes out. Um, but, I, I uh, I will say, I will say, and I, I don't want this point to be misconstrued. If that's going to make you happy, if you're going to have fun doing it, and you can justify in your own mind that that's what you want to spend your money on, and you're, and you, you know, I don't care about your finances. If you say you can spend the money on that and it makes you happy, spend your money on it and be happy. I'm right. not saying that at all. Like, I'm not advocating you don't play it because of, of my. What opinion. I was, what I was going to follow up with that subject or that that uh, that subject of that sentence was uh, the the only the the only disappointment I have with say the the Final Fantasy VII remake is that uh, we didn't get the whole game. Well, and that was that. So that was the second point of what you know, I was. Saying. I don't want to be I don't want to be pigeonholed into having to wait another ten years for part two, part three, part four. Um, you know, as far as I understand, and I apologize, this, this is probably a borderline spoiler alert, but, you know, I guess, you know, being out for over 90 days, that kind of goes out the window. Um, you get to the first fight with Sephiroth, and then the game ends, and you have to wait for part two or part three. Um, oh, so the original game was three discs? Four. I thought it was three. No, it was four. Okay. Well, regardless, so... Say you break it down into three, three, di three games or four games, however you want to, however you want to do it. But my problem is that uh, a you're playing for an incomplete, you're paying sixty dollars for an incomplete mm -hmm. game, and then when part two comes out, you're gonna pay another sixty dollars for that, and then part three comes out, you're gonna pay another sixty dollars for that. So that same game that you paid twenty to thirty dollars for back when it came out, you're now paying hundred and eighty dollars for for, and this the way I phrased it was shiny graphics. I mean, come on, the story didn't change that much. The, you know, but again, if that makes you happy and you're willing to do that within your budgetary means and, and everything that you have going on in your life, I'm all for it. Go do it. If that's what makes you happy, go do it. As long as it, you know, it's not illegal, like. I'm gonna finance pictures of my, my cat on OnlyFans to finance my PlayStation 5, so. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's you know, it's not for me. I have plenty of friends who have played it, and I know plenty of people who have played it and said that it's it's a great game. The changes are welcome. Um, it's very nostalgic. Uh, you know, there's, but I'm probably never gonna own it or buy it 
maybe if it goes on like Game Pass or something on Xbox and you know a couple years from now I might play through it but I mean I'm never I'm not getting in a rush to go out and buy it but just like I love Command and Conquer I'll probably pick it up to play with with you guys but honestly if it was just me I probably wouldn't go out and get it myself right Uh, but but there are things that like you know everybody was against the uh, Warcraft three reboot and the disaster that that was. Uh, but I still haven't installed I, it. I picked it up. I installed it. I played through some of it, and I thought it was fine. I, you know, I didn't have an issue, and that was nostalgia for me. But right. that got, that hooked me. But, but I I think the exception. I think Warcraft three is the exception to the rule. Um, if game developers want to remaster a game or remake a game, it's fine. But don't don't shake with your right hand and carry a rock in your left. Um, if you commit as a business and you're investing time and resources into a faithful quote a faithful remake of a game, it damn well better be a faithful remake. You know what was the promised product at BlizzCon to what was released are two completely different games. To me, in my layman's understanding, that is simply just bait and switch. Well, I mean, so here's the thing, right? You always have this disclaimer of, of what's being told and, and what it is is always subject to change per the final thing. But that, I would say, is the next biggest issue with the gaming industry right now is that we are financing the production of these games by doing pre-orders. And it, it's different from pre-ordering through... Uh, GameStop back in the day when you mm-hmm. were a kid, you, know, you go in with your five dollars and say, "Hey, I want to put this down on the new uh, Resident Evil when it comes out, or you know, whatever it may be." Um, we're paying but, full retail for games right. digitally. You're paying, yeah, and probably more than that yeah. because you're paying. You're you, more more often than not, you're paying for the collector's edition, which gives you some cosmetic items and a pet or something. You know, in in World of Warcraft's case. And uh, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, but I mean, what do, what do you do? I, it's you know, I guess some of it's that instant gratification that we talked about. You know, with the, uh, the that hit of dopamine, saying, "Oh, I got this." I was one of the first people to get it. But at the same time, it's like you know, this game is going to cost say three hundred million dollars to produce, but they've only invested. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars into it, and then they put pre, you know, pre-orders out, and then they they generate like another ten million dollars in pre-orders off of it, and it's like, what? <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's certainly like a, a holdover from the uh, the brick and mortar days. Um, you know, I got my first speeding ticket to uh, to World of Warcraft. <laughs> you know, the uh, the 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 Wrath of the Lich King launch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. But it's changed, though, right? Like I said, there's a difference between putting five dollars down to reserve a copy, right? When it when it gets to the store, not fun, not bankrolling the devs right. to get their paycheck, right? And so, and that's a difference. And until we break that habit of the game developers saying, you know, we're going to give you something, we're going to give you minimal details about it, and then we're going to unveil a, a pre-order, and everybody's going to buy it because they want the next wow game or the next call of duty game or the next madden game or whatever it is um and until gamers kind of unite and say we're not doing this anymore we want a game and then the dlc 
shenanigans that happens you know whether it's uh battlefront 2 um pay to win structure on, oh, on an online store that's a that's or, a podcast in and of itself right there right or you know hey we're gonna give you a game but we're gonna do dlc to further the storyline i mean what happened to the days of final fantasy sevens when you bought the game and you got it from start to finish and that game was you know really for us as kids hundreds of hours that we uh, put i uh i broke the game clock in game right so i mean that was you spent your parents you or your parents spent 30 or 40 dollars maybe 50 dollars i can't remember how much games were back then but you know and you had hundreds of hours mm -hmm. of time invested. it was oh i gotta get the ultimate weapon oh now, i gotta go back and, and get Aerith's ultimate weapon right. you know and now it's like you're buying a game and you're getting 12 to 15 hours, maybe 20 mm -hmm. hours or 30 hours of game time in the storyline of it. And then it's like, oh, well, now you got to wait six months or a year for the first DLC pack to come out. And then you can pay us another $20 to complete the story, to get the next part of the story. But storyline. hey, we'll make you feel better. Buy the season pass with your pre-order and you'll save $5. Right. <laughs> you'll be you'll get it a day early from everyone else and you know and all that nonsense mm -hmm. but i don't know so i, I mean the, that seems to be the biggest thing for me in the gaming industry is one that they are expecting us to bankroll these games uh through pre-orders and then two uh they're not giving us full games and expecting us to pay for the extra pieces i hate i hate achievements i used to play games for fun the story and the and to best it now they build weird gameplay in as achievements to beef up playtime artificially i would agree I, with that i don't necessarily I want to go into a game and uh you know oh in order to get 100 percent in this game you've got to play blindfolded drunk and with your controller upside down you know that that that, that doesn't seem enticing to me i i do that anyways i mean i don't well i wasn't talking <laughs> about you uh, there are no, resources available for you that's right. I mean, the, but the achievements there again are those shots of dopamine. You know, when you do something cool or crazy or ludicrous, and a little thing pops up on your screen, it's like bloop. You know, a hundred points for right. You know, we also have another comment here. Uh, I don't care for the old Ubisoft mindset. Uh, is that the uh, the open world run around and collect a thousand flags for no reason mindset, or are you referencing something else? So I think we take this one, and then uh, the old day, when, when let's make a really empty map. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Um, why old don't school we... uh, Ghost Recon right there. <laughs> why don't we uh, wrap up this discussion uh, with the final closing point for each of us, and then we'll go to the Q&A. All right, what do you got? Uh, I would just say, again, that um, on this topic and the other topics, I think it's... I'll just stick with this topic. I think that we as gamers need to stop uh, bankrolling the development process of video games. And I think that there needs to be a key distinction in uh, providing for a Kickstarter for a game that is a small indie firm trying to get development up and running is different from pre-ordering world of warcraft from a multi-billion dollar corporation like blizzard i think those are two different things so don't get those misconstrued but so i think we need to get off the mindset of of 
bankrolling these video games, and I think we need to get off the mindset and and buck the system on. We we expect and we demand a full game when we get it. I agree. Um, for those uh, who have hung around in the stream earlier in the month, I had the privilege of of demoing and showcasing an indie developer's game. Um, you know, it it obviously it didn't have the same level of quote unquote expected polish of a triple a title but i had more fun in that stream getting your guys's reactions and 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 getting the uh uh the the maddening feel of this is a, this is completely out of my element you know it's not call of duty 16.0 um to, uh, so support your indie devs um that that would be my call to action right there um but i think i i think for my closing point um i don't know it's uh Polish from a triple A game sounds like an oxymoron anymore. That's my last point. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna graph that right from from Zan himself. Uh, no, but I, I think my, my last point of the game is, you know, or of the night rather, is as as gamers, as consumers, uh, purchase parity has power. Um, it's no longer the the company saying, Hey, we have a product, we'd like you to invest in it. It's it's us as consumers being conscious of where we spend our money. Um, if we're looking at pure pure resource allocation, I make X amount of dollars a week. I spend X amount of dollars a week. I think we need to be laser focused on where those dollars go, it, it, especially in our discretionary income. Do I want to spend sixty bucks on another reskinned version of insert game title here? Uh, or do I want to invest in multiple games, maybe from an indie developer that's running a Steam sale and have some laughs with my friends or something right, along or, those lines? Or something like a Humble Bundle where Precisely. you get a 20, 30 games for $18 or more, depending on what you want to donate to. And those games are, you know, that, that money is going to charity and to fuel different things. So I, 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 think, I, I think the closing point here is just like as, as laborers, you know, we are, you know, we come from blue collar, white collar backgrounds. Labor does dictate where the market goes. There's no reason why we as gamers should not dictate where the gaming market goes as well, too. So I think with that, we'll move on to Q&A and we've already got our first one. Should they remake Battletoads and how much will they rip us off with modern gaming company tactics? Well, Battletoads in and of itself is a classic. Um, personally, I think they should let a classic lie, but, uh, it is, it is already in the works. There is a Battletoads remake in the work and I fully expect to pay probably 60 to $70 for per it. toad. And, yeah. Per toad. Um, <laughs> what is it? Zit? Uh, what are their names? Zit? I don't remember. Uh, Cosmetic DLC. <laughs> you can dress your toads up like it's Sim City. All right, now you got me going to the Googles. Uh, Bless dual monitors. Uh, wait a minute. No, that's the overview. All right, uh, let's see. Plot. The Professor T-Bird and the three Battletoads, Rash, Zitz, and Pimple. That's right. And they're escorting Princess Angelica to her home planet using their spacecraft, the Vulture. That's right. There'll be cosmetic DLC to turn them into the Ninja Turtles. Uh, and uh, the princess into April and you. 
What about uh, the uh, the two uh, lieutenant minions of um, what's his name? Oh, you're talking about um, Bebop and Rocksteady? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Q and A. Best bearded men's grooming tips for quarantine. Um, brush your beard. Yes. Use a healthy beard wash, and stop washing your beard with like bar men's soap. Body wash. Yeah. The best thing you can do for general men's grooming in general. That was redundant. Get Thank away you. from the chemical body washes. Use actual legitimate bar soap. Uh, thank you for the follow. Yeah. Flobrosaurus, thank you for the follow. Uh, so yeah. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Brush your beard. Gonna, I wasn't going to say the name because I thought it was Slobrosaurus. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure uh, shit posting with all of you. Uh, question, what major games are you both looking forward to? Um, well, I, I hate to be... Uh, uh, contradictory to the entire evening of the podcast but i am mildly excited for for uh for uh, world of warcraft shadowlands i i will say that um but no in general um i don't know uh there's really not uh cyberpunk that's what i'll go with cyberpunk that's that's what i'm looking forward to i'll be 100 percent honest and this is just me failing at the video game side of my nerdness right now i really don't know what's coming out i'm just I'm having a lot of fun right now, just kind of living in the moment of uh, people like Coffee Break and, and others in the chat that are just, you know, Facebook message, hey, let's play this right now. I have so many games that I haven't played or that, like, I've only played a little bit of. I think the last game I've actually sat down and went all the way through uh, and beat at 100% um, was Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and I believe there is a new Star Wars game that's supposed to be uh, re not released, but revealed this week. Um, so we'll see what that is. But um, no, I'm having I'm having a lot of fun playing Vermintide 2 right now, Sea of Thieves, um, anything like those little kind of group games. Um, and then there's the new um, just kind of throw this out there on the on the. Um, on the tabletop side, there's a new D&D book coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, so yeah, I did see that. Um, <clears throat> and that's one of the things that, that I've been running into as a, as a new streamer. You know, what games warrant getting the attention? Um, it'll, it, it, it's certainly been a, a challenge of mine to, you know, I could do what's easy and just play Call of Duty Warzone 24-7 all day, every day. I could throw myself into the meat grinder that is Apex Legends. Um and absolutely, you know, want to kick a baby or something with how frustrating that game is. Um, it, it, it certainly is a balancing act between what what I find fun versus what the community finds fun. Um, so being able to have a night where it's like, you know, you and the other mods hop on and we play Sea of Thieves. Uh, or, uh, you know, like last night, we just, you know, the world sucks. I don't want to think. We're playing World of Warcraft, you know? Um, so being able to have that flexibility has is, is certainly been interesting. Um, or being able to try out new games like Crucible that, you know, don't cost a thing. Um, so for me, the big challenge right now is is, is finding that, that middle ground, so to speak. Uh, how do you feel about race, the, the ratio of remakes to new IPs in the gaming industry? Um, I think it's terrible. 
Yeah. That being said, <laughs> that, being said that I, I just I it was just scrolling through a list of games coming out this year and, and I just saw Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is being remastered for Switch and I'm like, Oh, I gotta get that and I'm just like, What the hell? <laughs> I would love for there to be new creative juice in the gaming industry. But unfortunately we're at a point now where everything is not everything is designed in the boardroom, at least at the triple A level. You know, yeah, it's yeah. You're talking about you're finding yeah, you're... formulas that work it's like shit vikings are in let's get let's get ac valhalla coming out you know you're upset that ragnar left the show in season five or six effort you can be ragnar you know hey we got popadopolis in the chat look at these nerds well that is in our title my friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um yeah no i i uh New IPs, it's funny because I think uh, what happens is, and I think it's the same in the movie industry, is that people get this preconceived idea of what a game needs to be. And so when a game gets announced, like it gets a lot of flack because it's not what people hyped it up to be in mm -hmm. their mind. Um, same with movies, like a, a movie gets announced, you have like a short pilot trailer for it, and then a longer trailer, but then you still are waiting a year for it to come out. And in that time, there's always theories about what's going to happen and what characters are going to die and all this stuff. Same with Game of Thrones, you know, TV shows, everything. Ah, and, the best first five seasons of television ever. And then, <laughs> and then what happens is that people have these theories and then they get upset with the movie when it doesn't fill their theories. And so it's, I don't know. But, but we I, also have a very good comment here. The idea behind the Viking assassin is just oxymoronic. Let me rage quietly. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I do think that uh, it, it circles back to our prior point earlier in the cast of support your, your indie developers. You know, today's indie launch might be tomorrow's new IP. Um, we're seeing that with, um, with uh, Baldur's Gate 3 coming out and, and kind of capitalizing on that revitalization of tabletop and Dungeons and Dragons. You know, yeah. who doesn't want to be a giant ass mind flayer wrecking shit? in Faerun, you know? Um, new IPs represent a risk, and I feel the game industry has become risk-adverse. Maybe I'm just old and jaded. Um, no, I, I, would, I would agree with that to a certain extent. I think it comes down to the economics of it. I mean, you, you go from an indie game development team that, uh, or a small development team like Blizzard did, where they owned the, you know, they owned the, um, the development firm, they made games and they wouldn't put a game out uh, until it was finished, until it was polished, until it was something that they wanted to play. But then when you get bought out by these bigger corporations like EA, um, Activision, you know, uh, all these all these big developers, you become partial or you become tied to the stock, and so they want to return on the investment for these games. And so yes, it does. You do become risk adverse because they don't want to waste million hundreds of millions of dollars on something that's not going to generate the revenue that they want but you also see the differences if you if you notice that look at how much time resources and energy are going into mobile gaming now instead of console and pc gaming what you don't have a phone <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one of these in your pocket <laughs> Uh, but that that also presents another interesting strategy as well too. With you know with five G coming out, you know what is that that proportionate representation going to be? 
are we going to see you know a further shifting away of you know traditional console or PC mouse and keyboard gaming to smartphone gaming? You know we're seeing. And I realize I'm skating a very fine line here, but we're seeing cloud services kick up. We have GeForce Now, where you can play a AAA title on your on your tablet or your smartphone. You have things like uh, Google Stadia, Apple Arcade. Um, you know, where 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 do we see that distinction be drawn? But you're also now seeing like game hub developers like Steam and uh, other Nvidia and different things putting out consoles. Yeah. To play their game, so it, it's a weird dynamic right now. I may get written up for this if my boss is listening to me, but with the advent of cloud computing, um, I was able with I was able to sign up for GeForce Now, uh, their beta program for a dollar, kind of like what what Game Pass is doing right now with their dollar promotion. And at work on my my work MacBook Air, I was able to get World of Tanks to run because of cloud computing. So I think that it, I think there's a possible benefit to that, you know. You're not, while I while I abhor the 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 removal of digital ownership, right? You buy a game, you own the rights to it. There can be an advantage to. I can't afford the best hardware. If I'm rocking a potato HP stream or insert brand of computer here that's not rated for gaming, and all I and you're telling me all I have to do is go to a browser window and I can play Halo. Are you talking about Compact Presario? Yes. <laughs> Literal potato. Uh, no, but like that could be a game changer and potentially bring more folks into the fold, uh, which which could be a positive. You know, well, I don't... I remember, yeah, I, I mean, I remember even as far back as, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago. <laughs> E-Machines, yes. Yeah, E-Machines. Uh, I remember as far back as like, I don't know, probably not even 10 years ago. The amount of people who would say, you know, I'm not going to buy that game digitally. I'm going to buy, I want the physical copy. I want the physical copy. And now you buy games digitally all the time. You mm -hmm. don't even think about it. That's just a norm. So at some point, what you're saying, like the cloud gaming platform is just going to be what people do. And, and kids aren't going to know the difference. Yeah. The the only so thing I, that I, that I, that I, sorry, especially as the brick and mortar stores keep going out of business. Now that was that was exactly my next point. My PC doesn't have a phys, uh, my PC doesn't have a disk drive. I still prefer buying a physical copy. Uh, question: Do you feel worried about the about potentially not owning your games in the near future? Um, absolutely. Um, we are on the precipice of a massive digital rights showdown, you know, and we're starting to see that with with ISP usage, you know. Do you own the content that you download, or is is there because of a, a a clause in your ISP contract? Does the ISP actually uh, own that content? You know, when when is where do you draw that line? Um, so yeah, for me, I as as a student of politics and a student of history, I am always worried about the the ramifications of that. Um, for me, there is a there is a distinction. Right, you know, back in the day of, of physical console gaming with the GameCube, the PlayStation Two, and the uh, the original Xbox, there was a service called GameFly. Um, you could rent games; they would mail them to you. It was like Netflix for games. That was an explicit: you rent the game, you beat it, 
you send it back, you get your next your next cube. You know, that was an explicit black and white. I'm renting this game. I'm borrowing the game. I'm going to send it back when I'm done versus going to GameStop or Funko Land or Walmart Target and physically buying the game. Um, all right, so I'll use Anthem as a great example because it's supposed to be an online all the time when the servers go down, you basically own a game you can't play anymore. Um, we're still seeing that with a lot of games. Well, you know, I think, you know, at what point do you say that you got your value out of your game? What's the difference between that at some point? You know, it, I guess it depends on how long the servers go. Um, you know, you look at you look at things that like RuneScape and uh, uh, the original EverQuest and stuff like that, that those servers continue to function because there's people still pouring money into it. But at the same time, there have been games that went under, like, um, I forget what the one was just recently that, that went under the MMO. Um, well, you had Star they... Wars Galaxies finally fold, like, three years ago, four years yeah. ago. But, but see, the thing is to that, I would say that if you're not paying a sub for it, and you got, you know, say, five to ten, you know, five years out of it, or even three years out of it, did you get your money's worth? As opposed to, um, you know, say, you know, I have a bigger issue in my mind with consoles not having reverse compatibility. And I bought all these games for this console, but now the new console comes out and I can't play all those games anymore unless I hook up my old console. Like, that to me is the biggest, like, FU that a game developer can, or like a uh, hardware developer can do to you. But I think that also exposes, and, and this is yet another podcast topic, um, so I hope someone out there is taking notes, because I sure as hell am not. Um, it, it, it shows the, the archaicness of the, the copyright and the trademark systems, right? You know, we're, we're, we're dealing with 21st century problems and questions with solutions that are written with primarily the 18th and 19th century in mind, and even the early 20th century. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, the fact that broadband is not considered a public utility. In our country. In our country, at the very least, yeah. So I, I, uh, think, I think there are some systemic, systemic things that enable, you know, these types of gaming transgressions to, to, to be happen. Uh, what about games based on microtransactions? You get to play for free because others pay. I, I, I don't... I don't have a problem with it. I think as long as it's fair in the sense that you can continue to progress in the game without paying. If if there's a time gap, like obviously if I don't pay and it's going to take me six weeks to get to level two or three, whereas if somebody could pay and get to level three in an hour, I don't really have a problem with that. I can still progress throughout the game and continue to do the things that I need to do without paying. Uh, and if somebody else is going to pay and continue to pay for it, then that's you know that has nothing to do with me. But if it's literally roadblocking you and saying you cannot get past this point unless you buy the, you know the subscription or buy this thing to get this item, then I have an issue with that. My my biggest fear with that type of model is we're well, we're actually starting to see it now with the battle royale types of games, um, and even in some survival horror games as well. We've gone away from I can't believe I'm saying this. We've gone away from traditional microtransactions. I give you money, you give me a weapon skin. I give you money, you give me a special character. And we're seeing the, the transition and phasing out of that to a battle pass or a season pass where 
you can buy the premium for two times the experience points for this season that's only going to last you 60 days and get cosmetics, blueprints, special characters, special perks, extra levels, you know, things that actually can impact gameplay. Um, and there's very little ROI on the gamers part for that. So that that's that's got me more concerned um, about the state of gaming. Like in Fortnite, though, you can actually earn those V-Bucks through events in-game and not pay for it. You, so, you you can, but I would argue that you're at a disadvantage with that because the, the, the rate of payout for those V-Bucks or the coins in, in Call of Duty uh, or the, the, uh, the, the essences in Dead by Daylight, you know, that, 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 that grind, players have to put in two or three times more of the work okay, to but, get to that level. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But sure. Is that, is that not the same for somebody who's on a potato computer versus somebody who has the latest hard drive? I would computer accessories. I would argue no, because you have the ability to scale your graphic settings down on that potato computer. You don't have the ability to scale, you know, your modifiers whether you have the battle pass or not. You know, I can turn down on my, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five, uh, gaming computer. Oh God, I'm talking like it's only ten years ago. Um, I can I can turn down the graphics on my two thousand ten gaming computer, and still yeah, have I the have game be playable maybe but is it playable at a rate that you can compete it at a level that somebody who has the latest computer component I would argue yes I would argue no. yes because this this individual and this gentleman is in our chat right now he was the one of the most effective healers in World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King when his computer was literally on fire at yeah, 2 frames he, per second he had no he had no advantage over he us, who not, had spent money on... He was not competing for a world first. That person could not compete in, like, a Mythic Raid scenario right now. And I, and I don't think that there's a problem with that. I'm not saying... The, the, the premise of your question, though, was not regarding, you know, invitationals or competitive gaming. It was just a generic, I go into a match, should I not be at, a dis should I not be at the same level as someone with a battle pass? Okay, well, ISP then, you know, sure. if I have, if I have, uh, if I'm still working back in the day, if I was working on dial-up and you had DSL, does that not put me at a disadvantage due to speed? To a certain extent, there are other things in server architecture like caching and whatnot that that does play into effect. Um, but what I would, what I, I think that also goes to a bigger issue of where, you know, should broadband be considered a public utility? Uh, my answer is unequivocally yes. Um, but ISPs, ISPs uh, aside, um, the, the, the ability of a player is not necessitated on whether or not they can or cannot afford a battle pass or a season pass. And I think it's, dis it's disingenuous to those gamers uh, that are simply unable to, to afford those uh, to, to kind of you know, pigeonhole them and locking them out of <laughs> exclusive uh, exclusive content. Listen, boys, I will end this argument right now. Get good. What is this? Player Unknown's Battlegrounds? Well, see, <laughs> see, I guess I guess that's the thing. Is if you again, I'll go back to this. If you want to spend twenty bucks to get digital currency in order to get to level ten now, instead of playing a week of the game to get to the same point, 
I don't see a problem with that. It's your funds. You can do what you want with it as long as that what's make you happy and and that's the thing. But you can't say that the person who's not willing to pay twenty dollars is at a disadvantage. They have the same opportunity to do it. But that was the same. That was the same premise of the argument you were presenting. You know, it, that 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 was exactly the premise of the argument you were presenting. Um, what I'm saying is, you know, it's it's all fine and dandy to go for the cosmetics, but if it's actually impacting the state of game play and game balance, that is where I say the the free player has a disadvantage. Should Dark Souls have, or should Dark Souls type games have an easy mode? Absolutely not. I I, I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> I, I guess in the sense of that you're like. Yes, if it if it physically impacts gameplay, like you get a weapon that is just so OP to somebody that doesn't the sword get of it, a thousand truths. Right, but if it's purely cosmetic or purely that, like you can unlock a blueprint faster or you know something like that, then no, I don't have an issue with it. But yeah, obviously, if I'm on, if it's a racing game and i have to I have to race in a in a nineteen eighty nine Honda Civic with the floor about to fall out then versus you being in a maserati hey it's still safer than a chevette am i right (laughs) and and because you got a maserati because you you bought this pass then yes that's obvious and and i have to race against you in order to to progress then yeah that that's not right but i think this kind of also brings up a very good point here how much is your time worth and and that is that is an incredibly subjective question um you know, I always... and, I, and I, I think that's what kind of drew me back to, you know, that kind of World of Warcraft Shadowlands BFA versus World of Warcraft Classic. Um, you know, as much as I want the nostalgia of what the good old days were supposed to be like, I don't have the time for that. You know, I like the conveniences of being able to press out. No, well, let's let's be real. No, I don't. Not with not not with myth. Not with uh, LFR Nazoth right now. Um, but the, the, the quality of life that has been built into the game meets my standards with being in the line of work that I'm in now. That's how, that's how I, like, personally, when I look at, like, buying games or buying, um, whether it be DLC or cosmetic packs or stuff, I look at what the cost is and I look at what I make per hour at work and say, is this worth an hour of my time working to get this item or whatever it is? You know, if it's if it's a dollar and I make ten dollars an hour, is this worth uh, six minutes of my time? Right. Um, so we have a couple questions queued up here. Uh, let's see. Uh, isn't Dark Souls model basically build equal difficulty? Um, I don't, I haven't played enough Dark Souls to give you an honest answer on that. But I, I think the general philosophy of Dark Souls is you're going in with that expectation that it is an unforgiving game that does require honed skill. Um, I think I think quite honestly in the state of gaming right now it's a rite of passage, uh, one that I'm failing epically at. Mini? It's, yeah, it's one of those games that it's it's known for being absurdly hard, and uh, if you want to go into that, then I think you have to go into that with that's that's what the game is and that's what it's known for. Uh, I don't think there should be an easy mode to it, but also you know it's one of those things where it. it it does, I don't think it's very punishing. I think you still have save points and different like mm-hmm. checkpoints that 
So you get to a certain point, it's not like you have to start over again if you die at the beginning of the game. Like you can continue to hone your craft and and uh, get better at it. It's by... not like you're playing Nuzlocke Pokemon, where if your Pokemon faints, you have to you know dismiss it. Uh, do the effects of microtransactions seem more controversial as gaming moves towards mobile? I think the effects of microtransactions again depends on. Well, I think there's, I think there's different camps in this, but I think that most of the people I know are okay with microtransactions. Again, if it doesn't have any effect on the gameplay of the game, if it's purely cosmetic, um, I think with with mobile gaming. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't mobile game, so that's hard. That's hard for me to say. But I think that um, if it's in any regard, if it's a pay-to-win strategy, then uh, then it's yes, it's controversial. It's always going to be controversial. But I guess I don't. I don't really understand. I I, I would have to agree with that sentiment. Um, I I don't play mobile games enough to or relatively at all to give an honest opinion on the actual gameplay mechanics themselves. Now, I know that there are cultural differences when it comes to mobile gaming as well, too. Mobile gaming is not as prevalent here in the States or in, in Europe as it is in the Asiatic countries, uh, where you know the mobile device is usually uh, what the majority of gamers have. Um, and it's also a way for, for certain regimes to kind of back off on censorship, not naming any names. Um, so I think in that aspect, um, it, it's kind of like the, the, the approach to uh, cultural and moral relativism uh, with respect to societal norms, um, where it's going to depend on the circumstances behind that particular game. My, I guess my issue... <laughs> Zan, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have the party be knocking on my door right now. I, I guess my issue with... I guess thinking more on this in the mobile gaming and looking at games like Candy Crush or other simple games that are more kid-friendly games. I, I when I originally looked at that question, I was looking more at like the Fortnites or the uh, Call of Duty Mobile and stuff like that. But I guess looking at some of these like the Candy Crush uh, games or the um, whatever the developer is for that Soda Pop, something like uh, that, Zynga maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But those type of games that for kids, I have an issue with is it teaching kids like that consumerism mentality of, you know, Roblox is a perfect example of this. You know, my brother has the issue with Roblox where he'll he'll be at work and his he's put um, he's since put uh, the parental lock on it. But, you know, his son will spend thirty dollars on Roblox because he wants, you know, a cheeseburger and he wants to play this game or, or do this or do that or do this. And so is it is it putting that mentality in our kids that, you know, what you want is simply purchased or there's an instant way to get it as opposed to working for something? But I also think that falls on the the technology companies as well. That's um, what it is. Yeah, King. Um, so for instance, you know, there are there are the 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 technology developers for the mobile hardware are building in uh, parental controls and 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 things like uh, screen time, so you can, you know, you can have that type of in the moment report. Yeah, so my kid can when the screen goes black and it shuts off, my kid can throw my phone across the room. I'm <laughs> Well, um, controversial opinion here. Um, that that requires parenting, present in the moment, present parenting. 
Uh, so as gaming moves towards mobile as a whole, will more games receive microtransactions? Sadly, yeah. I think that I, I think that's an inevitability. You know, we're 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 seeing that now. I think it goes to a conversation we had earlier about financing or bankrolling games. I think because the development process on game is del- is delayed to that again they're they're serving us. You're paying, in many cases, you're 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 pre-ordering a game that's not complete, and when they're issuing that game to you, it's still not complete. But you're not getting to the point in the game that's not complete yet, so they don't really have to have that part finished. And so uh, what's happening is that the microtransactions is again becoming a way to bankroll that game or finance that game through the through the players. Yeah, I'm a bit old school. I, I, I would I would like to take the uh, the 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 optimist road, and you know, in a perfect world, I would I would treat you know microtransactions and DLC and and all of that as kind of like a bonus, right? It's like hey. Devs, you just completed this fantastic game. We got through the the scenario. We got through the the campaign. Yeah, you know what? Sure, I enjoyed it. I'll give you ten or fifteen bucks for for this pack right here. Now it's become, unfortunately, the reality is it's become part of that model of shit. We can't pay our developers for crunch time. You well, know? we're putting we're putting outrageous crunch times on our developers to begin with, right? And then that also deals with what uh, Popadopoulos put in the chat around the discussion of early access. Um, I think it's not not just early access, though. I I think that's a huge component of it. But I still think that there are games being put out that aren't. I mean, the last WoW launch is a perfect example Mm -hmm. of that. The early access to that, I think, was like a week or a couple days. And but but, then on the opposite hand, you had games like DayZ that have been in early access for three plus years. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> at what true. point does it go from early access to prolonged beta? You know, where do you where do you draw those distinctions? As I keep whacking my glasses on my pop filter here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. I didn't look at it from that perspective, but yes, I you know the PUBG is, was is still mm-hmm. in beta access or something, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, do you feel that game developers should unionize to deal with the ever growing problem of crunch? Yes, absolutely. I'm not a union guy, um, but they need to do something uh, in that industry in order to stop the things that are happening. Uh, we're talking about people's mental health on the line right here, their sanity, their ability to to not only care for themselves but for their families. Uh, and we're not just talking about bringing home a paycheck. Um, if there is a crunch time, there it needs to be regulated. It needs to be paid out in accordance with overtime laws. Um or they need to be justly compensated for the time they're putting in, or at the very least, make it consensual. Um, you shouldn't be able. You should be able to hire a group of developers to come in and work on a project as 1099 employees, and just have them sign a contract, and then put outrageous demands on when they finish that contract, and give them nothing in return. That's and, part of it. And, and then at the end of the day, if they don't comply, you fire them and then deny them unemployment. Right. And then two, you shouldn't be able to hire employees. Um, for salaried positions, and maybe the, I don't know enough about the industry to know if this is the norm or not that they're given salaried positions or they're paid hourly. I would assume that most of them are probably skirting that rule of what's salaried and what's not salaried exempt and what's not. And uh, so you're getting paid a salary, and then they're you know in the final weeks or months of a project, you're being required to work 
you know, 80 to 90 hours a week to try to get something done and get it out. I come from a long and distinguished line of, of, of laborers uh, and union members. So if you are in a position where you need collective bargaining, you have every right to uh, pursue collective bargaining. Uh, so we have one last question before this gentleman goes to bed. If you were a developer, what would be the one game you wouldn't want your name attached to? Mini, you first. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna add to this a little bit. What is the one game? If I were a developer, I will say what is the one game that I would remake that I think deserves a remake, and then one game that I wouldn't want my name attached to. Uh, the one game I would not want my name attached to is Anthem. I think he already brought that up. And uh, two, I I I think the game that I believe that deserves the biggest uh, remake and uh, remaster is uh, Star Wars Pod Racer. Okay, okay. Um, the game that I would not want my name attached to would probably be the original Crisis. You could have the supercomputers at NASA crunching that game and still get 10 frames per second. If that, if the computer didn't crash. Um, that was just a gross, gross, uh, messy launch with terrible code and terrible optimizations. Um, to follow up to your question, a game that I would love to see remaked Golden Axe. I can see a modern Golden Axe. First person or third person uh, over the shoulder. Yep. Uh, so uh, we have another question here. How would a union affect independent developers? If they aren't part of a union, will there be repercussions? Like if a non-union plumber is caught by a union, they could be penalized. Um, all right, I'll accept that we're both wrong. It is uh, Sonic 06. Um, so there there are rules and regulations that, that kind of deal with, you know, kind of encroaching on the territory, so to speak. Um, it would have to be a delicate balance. Um, I personally don't see that union protections uh, would, would or union unionization would harm indie developers. In fact, it would spur more unions to be more inclusive of that segment of the economy. You know, it's not like you're going you're, it, there. There is no there, there. There really is no digital turf wars to be had. It's not like hey, you're on my block, that kind of thing. Um, and that that's really where educated consumerism comes into play. I think the biggest issue that indie developers would encounter with unionized developers would be contracts with, uh, like, like getting the Star Wars contract versus another developer that has much, which is a problem now, but I think it would be even harder because they would have to develop uh, or devote more of their resources towards the pay and livelihood and wellness of their employees, which would also hurt their ability to go after larger contracts. But I would, I would think it would bring a bit more transparency to the, uh, the, uh, the bidding process as well too. You know, you would, you would, you would get rid of those backdoor, those behind closed door deals of, Hey, I know we said in public, I'm going to give you a million bucks, but while we're here, let me give you a reach around. You know, kind of one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge scenarios. Um, oh, development kit access. Okay, so like in terms of like the hardware dev kits, like for next gen consoles and things like that, is that kind of where we're going with that? Because I don't, I don't think it, I, I don't, I don't think it should impact it at all. If if anything, 
you know, if we're trying to welcome more folks into the gaming sphere and make this a legitimate line of work for, you know, more so than it already is, um, I think that starts at the, the, the educational level. You know, you go to school to be a game developer, you know, kind of treat it like the, uh, the Screen Actors Guild. You know, you go to school to be a, a theater or a movie writer, you know, you're automatically inducted in the guild. Yeah, that's what that's kind of where I first started to think about it was that it'd be more of like the Screen Actors Guild where you get protections based on guild membership. Right. But as soon as you get, you know, you get that degree, you're you pay the right. fee to get in and you're done. Like I don't I don't think union developers should have exclusive rights. Um, but I do believe that there needs to be a standardized protection of workers. Um, there are there are always unintended consequences, and I think that would be more on a case by case basis. Now, I think if a developer is being completely out of line, like saying, "Hey, no, we just landed Star Wars. F you, we want Star Trek too." Um, there needs to be uh, there there needs to be some some delineation there between the two. Have a good night, Zanus. Yeah, I. Um... You know, we 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 said we said when we started this we were gonna go for about forty five minutes to an hour, and now we're on two hours <laughs> like later. Two hours. Later. <laughs> uh, well, that, that I, I think that I think that comes to some some much needed right. eleven o'clock hour pandering. We have a fantastic chat feeding us awesome questions. Um, That's true. Com- completely uh, uh, unexpected, let's take, though. Let's see if there's if there's not if there's one more question in chat. Or if there's not, I have a question that I can pose that that we can both answer. Oh, I thought we had one. Okay. That was just my bot. Stream, stream <laughs> okay. Amazon Prime members can sub to my channel for free. Activate and link your accounts at twitchprime.com. And I did not time that. My hands have been enjoying, off the keyboard. <laughs> Join the coffee club and start enjoying all this. I'm not seeing a question there, Stream Elegance. Could you rephrase we have, that? Uh, we have the Pope with, I'll be on the next one, and we'll discuss Sonic. So Sonic 06. That'll be a key component of the next Yes. Um, all right, so my question is, is that if you could change one thing about the gaming industry, what would it be? A clear definition between beta access and early access. <laughs> because you have games that are skirting that line. I referenced it earlier. DayZ has been in early access for the last three years. When are they finally going to get out of that and go to post-release? Or when is a game moving from beta access to early access? I think that's mis- misleading to the consumer. <laughs> asterisk, 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 microtransactions. I, um... One thing I would change about the gaming industry is I think that um, I would put uh, I, kind of on the same lines as you. I would put stricter um, definitions of what of what um, different access points are, and kind of self-regulate as an industry on calling other developers out on their BS. Um, because I think that too often, because the big dogs are, are putting out subpar products. It's taking the industry as a whole down, and the little guys are afraid to call them out for it. I can agree with that. I absolutely can agree with that. Um, yeah. So I guess we're moving towards that 11 o'clock hour. So much for that 45-minute window. But uh, I think this is a, a perfect... hour 45, right? <laughs> right, right. That's what we're rolling with. Um we're just we're just tallying up all the uh, the, the the filler words, the ums and the o's and the hums, 
uh, yeah. to, to get to that two hour mark. No, but uh, moving 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 to that eleven o'clock hour, I I really do appreciate everyone coming out. Um, we didn't we when we were conceiving this, we had no idea where this was going to go. If even if anyone was going to tune into it, let alone you know be be participating in chat. Uh, so you know from the bottom of my shriveled heart, uh, I appreciate each and uh, each each and every single one of you guys you know posing questions and and keeping keeping the irons in the fire right there. Uh, so I guess the, 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 the next step would probably be to set up a channel for this podcast if this is something you guys are interested in. I know, Minnie, you're, uh, you've, you've got more obligations than I do, you know, uh, being a house dad right now. So, you know, do you have any uh, uh, parting words for us? <laughs> I would say I, I had a blast. I'm glad that we finally sat down and did it. Um, I, I, of course, we could probably add some more structure. Sure. Um, and again, kind of get some feedback from from the viewers over the next week or so or two weeks, and uh, what they liked and what they didn't like. And then, uh, yeah, of course, I'd I'd love to do it again. And um, I think we can expand and bring on some some other people who have uh, much different viewpoints and and ideas than we have. And I think we have a lot of fun with this. I think so too. Um, I, I'm already thinking of three or four different people that I that we could bring on and and, and get a, a fantastic conversation out. Some of them may still be lurking in chat right now. Um, so for the meantime, uh, Minnie, why don't you drop your your socials in the chat so people know where to find you? Because um, obviously right now we're we're hosting this on my stream at the moment. Uh, so if you have any suggestions for the the chat, uh, Minnie is posting uh, his social medias in the uh, the chat box. Um, you can find me here on this Twitch channel. Uh, this is this is my home landing page. Uh, also on my Twitter account at uh, Coffee Break Live, uh, and the same for Facebook as well too. But with that, um, we're moving towards yet another day uh, in in 2020 Earth. Um, <laughs> what what tomorrow may will bring we we don't have we don't have any insight into. But uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, I thank you guys for coming out. Uh, Please be safe. Please be smart. And like we said in the beginning of the podcast, wash your damn hands. Uh, Minnie, your closing remarks? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, wash your damn hands. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending the, the night with us. And uh, I hope that uh, we can see each other and have a drink in the future. Cheers, everyone. Stay safe out there. We're signing off. Catch you next time.